Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin were presented by Progressive Insurance. If you're just waking up, 7 a.m. in the East, let me just sort of paraphrase what you may have heard. Last night on Monday Night Football, Brian Greasy sort of postulated that there should be a level of you know, clarity between the play caller and the quarterback, but there was anything but in Chicago saying there's some miscommunication on some play calling between Matt Nagy and Nick Foles. Nick Foles, you just heard there seconds ago, essentially saying there really was no miscommunication. And if anything, I miscommunicated with Brian Greasy. Jay? I was going to say Brian Greasy paraphrases. He said sometimes the guy calling the plays, he doesn't know how much time there is back here. So if you're paraphrasing that, if Nick Foles did, say that to Brian Greasy, that is an indictment on Matt Nagy. And these things seep into the locker room. Now you have Matt Nagy that's going to have to answer questions like that today. They're playing the Saints. It can fester and become bigger. And now we're going to start having the conversation about, is Mitchell Trubisky the answer? He's more athletic. He's more mobile in the pocket. Key, it leads us in so many different directions. Well, if the offensive line is playing the way that they played last night against the Rams front, which the Rams front is pretty good. You, you you may need to look at somebody who's a little more mobile, but I don't think that the Bears are going to do that. I think they're going to stick with Nick Foles because now Matt Nagy has to admit a mistake. And you know our coaches don't like to admit mistakes, right? When you look at it, though, <clears throat> from a whole, you can kind of go around every team in the National Football League, and there are plays that are called that coaches get, you know, excited about in design, and so they want to see them work. So they're going to continue to call them until such time that it doesn't. Plus, coaches tend to ask quarterbacks and certain skill position players throughout the course of the week, what is it that they like in terms of the route that they run, the protection schemes, certain things like that. So I would think that the quarterback and the head coach who's a play caller are on the same page about what it is that's in the game plan. So we'll see what ends up happening with Nagy moving forward. Remember, two coaches are already gone, Dan Quinn in Atlanta and Bill O'Brien in Houston, and now two of the biggest brands in the NFL could have a little shakeup with Chicago, and we'll talk about Dallas here in just a second. All of it with Dan Graziano, our ESPN NFL insider, who joins us on the Shell Pennzoil performance line from around the corner. All right, so you just heard what we said about Brian Greasy's comments on Monday Night Football and Greasy's comments themselves. What are you hearing from your sources on Matt Nagy's seat and how warm it might be? You know, we were calling around a couple of weeks ago on coaching situations, trying to figure out what jobs will be open. I kept asking about the Bears and being told, no, that, you know, he'll be safe for another year. Uh, he and the GM, Ryan Pace, will be safe for another year. They'll let them try and uh, figure out the quarterback situation going forward. The other thing is, I mean, like, they looked awful last night. Don't get me wrong. They're 5-2. and two. I mean, 5-2 and two coaches aren't on hot seats. So I think unless the season goes significantly south from here, which, given the quarterback situation, has potential to do, uh, I, I think unless they really, really bottom out, I, th- I don't think Matt Nagy is on one of, the, one of the warmer seats in the league. I think it's more likely he's back than not. Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider, joins us on the Shell's Pinzall performance line for your weekly column, overreaction column, that is, on ESPN.com. Uh, you were asked about Mike McCarthy being a one-and-done in Dallas and said it was not an overreaction. Why? Because it could get worse from here. I mean, if they, if they just really fall apart and, and lose, you know, the rest of their games or 10 of their last 12 games, then you really got to look at the situation. And also, what's the feeling around the team? What's the atmosphere around the team? What are you getting from inside the locker room or players 
dissatisfied? Are they uninspired? You know, those are the kinds of questions I think Cowboys management has to ask itself as this season goes along. Right now, there's no indication that they've soured on Mike McCarthy, and quite the opposite. Stephen Jones yesterday saying, you know, throwing his full support behind him in his radio appearance. But there's more than half a season left, and if that half a season goes badly enough and the Cowboys decide they need to start from scratch, obviously uh, that, then, then he wouldn't be 100% safe. Starting from scratch, they got to start from scratch at the quarterback position because of Andy Dalton's injury. Where do they go at the QB spot, Dan? Ben DiNucci. I mean, you know, Ben DiNucci's there. He's, he's on the roster. He's a draft pick this year. They're going to – if Dalton can't clear concussion protocol, and you know about concussion protocol, it takes several days, uh, and every case is different. But if he can't be ready to answer the bell Sunday night in Philadelphia, it's going to be Ben DiNucci, and they're going to have to get him ready to do it. So, uh, you know, life comes at you pretty fast. One, one minute you're the third stringer uh, learning your craft in the NFL, and the next minute you're in a – must-win division matchup against the Eagles in Philadelphia. This could be the life of young Ben DiNucci uh, as early as this week. Dan, life did come at OBJ pretty fast, tearing his ACL. What are short-term options for the Browns at the wide receiver position? The Browns think they have enough on the roster. Look, I mean, could they make a move for depth? Yes. I don't, think, I don't get the sense that they're going to be out there you know, trying real hard to replace their number one receiver with another one. They like Rashard Higgins. He's been on the team for a while. Uh, the quarterback likes him a lot. They like all of their tight ends. They believe at some point soon, at some point before the end of the season, Nick Chubb will be back and they can operate that two-headed running game the way they were early in the season. So I don't get the sense that they're, you know, completely panicked on this situation. Obviously, you'd rather have Odell Beckham. He's, a, he's your best player on offense. He draws the attention of defenses. It makes a difference to have him out there. But my understanding, at least early on in the wake of this injury, is that the Browns think they have enough to continue to operate their offense. Dan, the, tr- the, the uh, trade deadline is a week from today. What are you hearing? Who could potentially be on the move? I'm looking at um, the receivers in Houston. There's a couple of guys there on the, in the final year of their contract, Kenny Stills uh, and Will Fuller most prominently. Uh, you know, I want to see what Atlanta does in terms of who they might move. I know that the names of like Matt Ryan and Julio Jones have been out there. I don't expect them to be traded because their contracts really kind of prohibit it. And, then, you know, I was in New England on Sunday, and it was hard to see that team as a – as a team that's, you know, one piece away. I I think some people around the league are wondering what the Patriots will do, whether they'll start to sell off a piece or two here at the deadline uh, and look toward the future. And you look at some veterans on defense, like maybe, you know, the McCourty brothers. Um, I think some teams are asking about Stephon Gilmore. I don't think it's likely the Patriots would move him, but you never know if you get blown away. So I think this is yeah, that's a team to watch here over the next week, depending on what they decide to do. I wonder if what happens Sunday in Buffalo with them could help determine their, uh, their decisions at the trade deadline as well. A quarterback to watch, Cam Newton. What are the Pats saying about his health and about where he is right now? Everybody's saying he's healthy. He says he's healthy. Uh, he's, he's not playing well. I mean, two weeks ago, last two games ago, it was rust, right? He was coming off a couple weeks off. He had had COVID. They hadn't been practicing. Um, had code tested positive for COVID. I should be accurate. Um, this week he was just terrible. And, and look, they don't have a lot around him in terms of, I mean, there's, there's young receivers that aren't there yet. There's Edelman who looks like he's playing hurt. Uh, the running game is, is what it is. You know, they thought it would be their strength and they haven't been able to really operate it. 
But uh, Cam Newton is not playing at his expected level. He has been forthcoming and honest about this over the last couple days. He's not satisfied with it. He believes he can get it better. But uh, it was alarming how bad he was last week because they were willing to chalk up week six to rust, and that's no longer the possible explanation here. So critical week of practice for Cam Newton and the Patriots, without a doubt. We should mention real quick for those that are making the struggles tied to Cam's battle with COVID-19. Cam addressed that directly on the radio in his weekly appearance in Boston, saying yesterday, quote, when asked about COVID-19 being the effect and why he's struggling, no, my goodness, I'm hearing a lot of what it could be. It's simple. I have to play better. Dan, thank you very much. We'll see you on Get Up with Greenie and the Gang at 8 a.m. Eastern over on ESPN. Thank you. Thanks, DG. Now, one thing real quick that Dan said that really caught me, possibility of trading Stefan Gilmore, the reigning defensive player of the year in the NFL, and a Belichick soldier if there ever was one. He is the prototypical Patriot. And Dan mm. saying he could be on the block? Well, yeah, why not? If you go into Buffalo and you stink up the joint or the conference or, or the division seems like it's getting away from you and somebody's willing to give you a, a high one for a shutdown corner, why not? Especially if you're hitting a reset button to rebuild the organization, think about this for a minute. I don't know their draft positioning right now, but you move Stephon Gilmore, you package up whatever you have, and you climb up to go get Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence or somebody like that at the quarterback spot for your future. Think about it. Possibility. I, I just love all this excitement around the Pats. I mean, when's the last time they lost three games straight? Close mm-hmm. to 20 years ago? Wow. The pressure building on... Belichick, who is he without Tom Brady? They're crashing. Cam isn't playing well. Are they going to trade their best defensive piece to get a quarterback in next year's draft? This is just the most intriguing thing to watch in all sports right now. I agree. It's fascinating. Still to come, the Rams win on Monday Night Football. So can they finally crack Key's real rankings? The answer on the way. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Simply put, 
Who's the best team in the NFC? That's our Dr. Pepper Twitter question. You can hit us up on the phone, 888-ESPN, or simply tweet us, KeyJNZ, to the Dr. Pepper Twitter nation. Best team in the NFC right now. Early returns, 44% of you have said the Bucks. However, Prof Gunder just hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed and said, despite the Bucks housing the Packers for Green Bay's only loss. This is his opinion, and you get to have yours with us. Quote, the Packers' offense is elite when healthy. Defensive line and secondary are good, but the thing that takes them over the top is their head coach, Matt LaFleur. That is Prof Gunder's opinion. Mm. We'd love to hear yours. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776, or Key J and Z on Twitter. You never know how many teams Key's going to have in his real rankings, so... <laughs> how many this week? Let's find out! Number seven, Cardinals. They were cute, but they're starting to look pretty now. <laughs> I think that's a mistake. No, it's not a mistake. The, Ari- the Arizona Cardinals, I would have never thought in my lifetime would ever be in one of my <laughs> rankings, but here we go. You know, Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury are certainly getting the attention of the NFC West. Uh, although Ken- Kenyon Drake is banged up right now and will be out several weeks, so that could hamper their offensive style and running the ball. But the guy in Kyler Murray is just fantastic within this offense. He's dynamic. He does some things that I haven't seen done in a long time with a guy of his size. Being able to deliver the football in sync to DeAndre Hopkins, a huge weapon for them. And their defense played okay. They got to sure up some things on the defensive side of the ball because Seattle this past weekend somewhat had its way with them from a defensive standpoint. But you got to give it credit. Arizona's playing well. I take nothing away from them. Let's go, Mighty Mouse! <laughs> Number six, Ravens. Big trust. Whoa, whoa. You know, the Ravens, you say, well, they were sitting at the five spot last week. They just slightly dipped down to the six spot. I, I, I just, you know, watching them, I don't really know what they are offensively. I just got to I gotta see. I got to keep seeing them because they haven't been able to just wow me from an offensive standpoint outside of Lamar Jackson. I want to see what they do when it really comes down to coming from behind and throwing a football. They're still in the mix, though. Number five, Seattle. Mr. 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 Unlimited. Well, Seattle was the number one team last week on my rankings. They dropped to number five, which, you know, people would say, well, how can they go down that far? Because the other teams are better than them right now from my eyes. Based on the fact that you allowed Arizona to do what they did to come back when you know what this dude, Kyler Murray, is capable of doing to you, and Russell Wilson, you know, turned the ball over a couple times, doesn't mean that they won't be back at number one uh, at some point throughout the rest of the season. But as of right now, they move from one down to five with four other teams moving in front of them. Number four, Green Bay. R E L A. X. Relax. Well, I am relaxed. They were number seven last week. Now they move all the way to the four spot because once Devontae Adams got healthy, much like that young man said who tweeted at us, that offense is pretty lethal. When he's on board and he's healthy and ready to go, it just adds a, a, a different dimension to what Aaron Rodgers is capable of doing on the offensive side of the ball. So they move from seven to four. Their defense could get better throughout the course of the year, and I think that they will get better. This is one of those top three teams in the NFC that we'll be talking about come late December. 
Number three, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Come on now, fellas. We've now, got to answer the bell. Now let's go. Yo soy fiesta. <laughs> Yo soy fiesta. Now the Buccaneers were not in the rankings last week at all. They jumped ahead of everybody. Doesn't mean that if I had an eight, they wouldn't be eight. But they jumped all the way to number three, not in the top seven last week because, look, the old man at 43 years old looks like he's 33 years old. I mean, Tom Brady with the weapons that he has, and they're getting ready to add Antonio Brown to the situation, the calls. Think about it. They're getting ready to add something that everybody else, for the most part, wanted in the NFL. Seattle wanted him so bad that Tampa Bay jumped in front to get the deal done. He's going to add an extra element to this team. We'll see them late in December in the NFC as well. Number two, Pittsburgh. The last game was the last game. This one was us. Pittsburgh Steelers are undefeated, right? They, they, they should be probably the number one team, but they're not. They, they, they're, there's something there that says to me they're going to see the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game if it lines up correctly. Um, when you talk about this team and Ben Roethlisberger, the, the emergence of, of, of Chase Claypool, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster was the guy last week when Claypool was the guy two weeks ago. You just keep seeing different elements of the offense. The defense playing solid and sound. Although they did let Tennessee get back in it, which didn't make me very happy, but they won the game against a tough Tennessee team. And number one again, Kansas City. I'm going to go get the biggest cheeseburger you've ever seen. <laughs> Think about it. Might it. be a double. <laughs> Think about it. The Chiefs. The Chiefs. They take care of business. They went out and got Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell had the longest run of his career last week, it seemed like. Like, he, when he touched the ball, he was there. You could just see a different type of football team and a different football player. Now, the Denver Broncos, they beat the New England Patriots, so everybody was like, oh, okay. They, they did that sort of thing, but Kansas City was a bit too much for them, and Kansas City is the, 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 the class act of the AFC. They just, I mean, they are. There's nothing you can say about the, where is their weakness? Like, it's, it's hard to find one. Was it two weeks ago, Zubin, that he had Kansas City out of the top five and both you and I were kind of flabbergasted? And then I know last week you had Kansas City number three right. and you had Pittsburgh number two. So mm-hmm, was, right. it, was it the way Ben Roethlisberger threw for three picks in the second half against the Titans that kind of didn't give you the confidence to, to boast them up to the number one spot? It's more about the way they played Tennessee, letting them back into the game. When, I, when, I just, when they had Tennessee on the hook, you had them on the hook, you just blow them out and push them away they didn't they almost lost that game Mm. and so when you look at it from that standpoint you got to say well they still there but they're not quite Kansas City City. and then when you look at Tennessee Tennessee ain't even in my top seven yeah they they might be eight because for whatever reason Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers let Tennessee back in that game they let them back in it and so Tennessee, to me, should have been – it should have been a 50-pack hung on them, mm. and it wasn't. So I don't know if Tennessee – I know they're, they run the ball well, Tannehill, A.J. Brown, you know, the defense is solid. But are they better than Kansas City? Are they better than Pittsburgh? Are they better than Baltimore in the AFC? Are they better than those teams? Are they better when you look at the NFC? Are they better than Arizona? Are they better than uh, Seattle? Are they better than Green Bay? Are they better than the Saints? I don't know. We'll have your thoughts on the best team in the NFC. That's our poll question this morning in just one second when we go to the phone lines. But one notable omission was the Rams at 5-2 and two winning on Monday Night Football tonight. You also mentioned Tennessee 
out of your top seven? Are the Rams close? I think both of those teams are close. The Rams are close, but I, I need to see, I need to see, you know, I need to see a, a signature win, right? I don't think that the Chicago Ooh. win last night was a signature win, right? Well, a signature win would be beating Seattle. Um, they got thumped last week against San Francisco. That mm-hmm. for you know, come on, they got thumped. And so when you look at that, like, what's the next team on their schedule that would be a signature win? You know, that, that, that's the key to me when I start looking at the Rams. Well, it's uh, their first win against a team with a winning record. So that, that and if Chicago is it Chicago exactly is Chicago? I understand it's a winning record, but is the record like is it is the record real? No, the record is a false front. We've been saying like, that for a it, while, right? It it's real? like a, an average golfer who hits a great shot, and you walk up to the green, and you're like, "Oh, that thing's on there," and then the thing's you know twenty yards off the green. It didn't even get up there. You're like, "What? What happened?" I don't know. That's nothing what about, the, that's what the Bears are. Jay Let's Will, be honest. I don't know nothing about golf in the back nine and all that. I got stuff. Zubin the back nine. I love it. Zubin got the reference. Indeed, yes, I did. Jay's a big golfer. Obviously, four minutes away from Super Bowl champion Jeff Saturday, we'll ask him a little bit about what he thought about the Bears on Monday night. In addition to what's going on with OBJ and the Cowboys all on the way. But first, we've been asking you again all morning, best team in the NFC. Simple question, 888-ESPN. Hit us up on Twitter, KeyJNZ. Kyle in Raleigh, you're on ESPN Radio. Fire away. Hey, good morning, guys. How you all doing? What up? What's up, Raleigh, North Carolina? Stand up. That's right, Jay Will. Hey, you know, I think, honestly, the best team in the NFC is the Seahawks. I know their record doesn't really stand out with the teams they've played. Their defense is no longer the Legion of Boom, but man, they've got a Legion of Zoom, right? With DK Metcalf, with Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson just cooking like nobody's business. I mean, they they screwed up against the Cardinals. Don't get me wrong, but I honestly, as much as they have struggled on defense, their offense is just lights out, and I think that's going to carry them pretty far going forward. It, it, it could, but I punished them because they screwed up against uh, – Arizona, just like I punish Pittsburgh and not move them to the number one team, even though they have the undefeated record because they allow Tennessee to get back in it. These are my rankings. Do you think Seattle's high-powered offense is enough? Is enough considering their defense isn't that good? No, I don't. I don't think it's I'm enough. starting to agree and with I, you on that. Yeah, but see, we're in week seven. So when you get to the playoffs, things change. Yeah. Things, defense, think about Kansas City for a minute there. Kansas City's defense last year was questions all year long. They won the damn Super Bowl because <laughs> when they got there, they tightened up. Mm-hmm. And that's usually what happens when you come to the playoffs. It's different than the regular season. You know, it's almost like they take their best stuff, defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, they take their best stuff out of the course of the season and they use it in the playoffs. They don't do all this fancy stuff and try to experiment with all. They just stick to what works in the playoffs because they pare things down. And so, you you know, you look at it, all of a sudden you look up and that defense becomes a legion of boom. Now, mind you, Jamal Adams has not been in the lineup exactly. for Seattle. They get him back come playoff time, maybe that defense is different again. And, and the other variable factor that people don't talk about is we don't know what the hell your team could even look like in a month from now, considering all this stuff happening with COVID. I mean, look what happened with Tennessee, right? I had to take two weeks off. 
So who knows the randomness that comes along with that as well? That's a great point. That's a great point. For those that aren't aware, Jamal Adams, great defensive player, traded from the Jets to the Seahawks to quickly answer Key's question. When are the Seahawks going to face an opponent that can get a signature win against or the Rams? You know, obviously Seattle's been tested, but you mentioned the Rams. They'll get Miami this week. Yeah. Then they're on the bye. Then back-to-back games against the Seahawks and the Bucks. That'll be put up or shut up. There you go. Now, now they now they go out and win those and go four and oh, three and one. Now they might be at the number one team in the whole. Di- I don't know. I got to see it. I don't we'll have them be in Seattle. I don't think they're going to beat Seattle. We'll see. They next- always them in Seattle. They they go back and forward. Oh, they they give Seattle fits. Got a break. Yeah, Miami He's in by my ear. Seattle and then the Bucks on Monday Night Football. But we really want to focus on what the Bears are all about and what's going on. Let's welcome in Jeff Saturday, oh, ESPN, a Tar Heel. <laughs> NFL analyst, a dookie, a Tar Heel. They're, they're sitting more than eight miles apart, though, so that's okay. That's okay. We're socially distant. <laughs> We're socially distant and then some. Not six feet. Hundreds and hundreds of miles. It's great to have Jeff join us uh, this morning. He joins us weekly. Uh, what did you see or not see out of the Bears last night, P- specifically at the quarterback position as a guy who protected the quarterback for so many years as an all-pro center. Yeah. Yeah, no plan, right? I mean, if you look at the way that the Rams got after the Bears, you know, the Bears offensive line, you know, they were already struggling going into the game. You have one of the best defensive lines. Um, Aaron Donald, obviously, is a standalone player. But think about Floyd had two sacks. They put pressure. They had 36 non-play action dropbacks, 18 pressures. Like, there has to be a better plan than we're going to drop back, stay in the middle of the pocket, and try to, you know, try to beat this Rams defense. You played right into their hands. And as you look at the way this season has progressed, you heard about, you know, with Foles and Nagy, where are they on the same page with – at some point, it's the player's responsibility to, to figure out, how do we get this thing blocked up? Like, how do I protect myself so I do get that extra split second, I do get that third or fourth second where I can step in a throw and make a play, whether it's talking to the receivers about their routes. We used to do that all the time in Indianapolis. All the great ones do, right? Figure out a way to fix your problem. You understand plays getting called in. You understand all those things. But at some point, I feel like the Bears offensively have to answer the call, right? The defense, they gave him plenty of opportunities. As the game went on, it got out of hand, but th- this was not laid at the, at the Bears' defensive feet. This is an offensive situation that has to get it has to get solved for them to have any chance. Otherwise, to Jay Will's point, they are pretenders all the way around. You're talking about protecting a quarterback and being an offensive lineman, something that you did for a number of years and did it well. You had a guy named Peyton Manning at the quarterback spot, and he was underneath you for many years. You saw the Andy Dalton situation, Jeff. How would you have handled that if that was your quarterback on the turf? Going to be more than one of us thrown out, right? Like we, we, we're all going to get in that action, boss. Like, like I, I, I didn't get it, you know. And and I think that speaks key to to the chemistry of this football team. There is none. And you and I both know, you know, whether you love it or hate it, football, offense, and defensive lines. As they go, your team goes, right? Like like every wide receiver wants the ball every play. They have a certain attitude and a certain mentality. Well, so does an offensive line. And your number one job is to protect that guy. That's your number one job. We love to run the ball. We love to get physical. We love our running backs. But your number one job is to protect that guy throwing 
throwing it around. When and, and here's the craziest part to me: there's no fans in the stand. You heard it. Like like, like even if you're in the middle of a block, you heard that hit. At some point, you're going to turn around and see it, and you see a guy standing over it. You know, you see Cooper, you see a tight end standing around, and then you got five offensive line, and and nobody goes after. And, and I'm not advocating, you know, you know, fight. So I can, but but that is a fight. Like whether you love it or hate the game of football, I'm telling you right now, if I see Peyton Manning dressed down like that on the football field, we're going at it, man. And and what you know, whatever it be, whatever it is, it is. I was very disappointed, and I think that was what McCarthy spoke to is, when is it about playing for your guy, right? Like, when it is about us, and it's not just about we're going to go out and, and play a game, but it, it's about the, the camaraderie and the brotherhood you got in that locker room. At some point, there has to be an us versus them mentality. I, the, the Cowboys just don't have it. I don't know why. I don't know where that's not coming from. Obviously, you start with the head coach because that's his job, but, but you know, to his point, I think he he was shocked that nobody did anything. And, and, and look, I played for McCarthy under one year. I, I can tell you the offensive lineman that I played with in Green Bay, those, those guys wouldn't have stood for it either with Aaron Rodgers. So just disappointed in that whole, uh, that whole scenario. Jeff, would it, real quick, would it have been different, though, if it was Dak Prescott? Would the line react different, the teammates react different? You hope so. I mean, like, but, but again, like – it really doesn't matter. It's it's that guy. I mean, it, it, it you know, obviously Dak has a different relationship because he's been there so much longer. But none of those guys have played with either. You know, it, it, I mean, their their whole offensive line has been hurt. You know, all their starters have been shuffled around. These are a bunch of guys who haven't played together. But but hopefully this will be something that they can ultimately rally around. Right? Their head coach called them out. You know, people have called them out at some point. Man, it's it, guy Lee. I mean, like, how do you just go emotionless in a football I, I don't get it like I, I didn't play that way um you, you know I, I, I don't want to be, beat a dead horse here but it, it's just uh you know I, I don't understand I don't understand the mentality that's just not the way that's just not the way I played the game mm-hmm. Jeff when Key and I were talking yesterday we said every time we talk about the Browns we either talk about OBJ or we talk about Maker, Baker Mayfield well now OBJ <laughs> has a torn ACL he's done how much more pressure does this put on Baker Mayfield now that people are saying, well, are the Browns better without OBJ? How much more pressure does that put on him? Good. Give, give me a break, man. First of all, everybody say this is like this is like DeAndre Hopkins in in uh, Houston, right? We're going to develop the quarterback. We're going to develop Deshaun Watson by getting rid of the best guy on the t- on the on the team. Seriously? Like, look, whether you love OBJ or hate OBJ, he's a great matchup problem. Opposite Landry, you know, whether it's in reverses, whatever it is, and he has that juice. I mean, you heard Stefanski, their their head coach, talking about it's the juice in practice. Like, those are the intangibles that no one talks about. It's, It's when you show up and you get all other 10 guys ready to go and amped up. Uh, look, look, whether Mayfield plays better, hopefully, irrespective of what receivers are on the field, you know where to go with the ball. People are like, well, he, he focuses on OBJ. Well, then that's all Mayfield. That's got nothing to do with OBJ. OBJ's job is to beat the DB and go make plays, right? That That's his number one job. The quarterback's job is to decide where the ball should be distributed and get it there on time. If Mayfield, because OBJ's in the game, plays worse, that, that doesn't mean you're developing a quarterback because last time I checked, you want the best guys on the football field. Go ask Tampa Bay, right? Like, you want your best guys. Ask Tom Brady how different it feels from New England to Tampa Bay right now. I'm sure he likes the guys he has on the outside, right? Because they challenge you. They make plays. You don't want to take away guys 
guys and act like your, your football team is better. What happens when that run game gets shut down? You'd like to have two options outside instead of just one. I, I just don't buy the whole we get better by losing a, 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 a player of OBJ's caliber. Tell him why you mad, Jeff. I love when I see that Jeff Saturday. Look at Duke and Carolina getting along. Come it's a on. different world. It's 2020. <laughs> it's a great point. It's common sense. Have your best players out there for sure. Life without OBJ begins when the Browns host the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday. Jeff, really appreciate it. We'll see you on Get Up coming up at the top of the hour on ESPN. Thank you. All right, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate you, fellas. See y'all. See ya. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. Still to come, he might be the number one QB on the roster. His coach might have reiterated that, but for real, is he a hair away from becoming number two? Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We'll begin with a little MLB. We got the World Series ready to go. Game number six tonight. 7.30 Eastern pregame on ESPN Radio. Keys Dodgers a win away from clinching their first World Series title since 1988. The Rays are looking for their first, but they have no margin of error. Got to win tonight. Got to win tomorrow. So how do you motivate a team whose season is on the line the next two games possibly? Kevin Cash, Rays manager, in a deficit, but somehow finding the positive spin. In a way, I think it's good. I mean, our, our, our bullpen is going to be that much fresher. Um, you know, if, if, if you want to talk about momentum, maybe you stop the Dodgers' momentum a little bit. Um, but we're, we're chomping at the bit to play. I mean, I, I, I'm glad we have the off day, but – I guarantee by 6 o'clock this afternoon or this evening, uh, wish that we were going to be at the field playing. Yeah, still third. Go right ahead. Still home. I dare you. Blake <laughs> Snell on the mound, though. It'd be a good one tonight. They're Cy Young Award winner. I love Kevin Cash, but the whole deal of we're down 3-2, we got him right where we want you. Slow down on that. Key, you said Dodgers in five. Tonight it could be Dodgers in six. What do you think? I, I think it, uh, you know, look, the one thing that they got to do is they got to chase Blake Snell off, right? They got to get him out of there much like they did the last outing. And on top of that, our bats have got to come around in our bullpen. This is a bullpen game for us. Our guys are rested as well. Yes, the World Series is on ESPN Radio, presented by AutoZone. Catch all the action tonight, 730 Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And a really great, heartwarming story. Washington football team head coach Ron Rivera receiving his last round of chemotherapy and proton therapy. He was battling squamous cell carcinoma, a form of cancer, seven weeks of treatment. And you guys have been in sports for so long, especially key in the NFL where they call it Victory Monday. 
in the NFL. It was certainly a victory Monday in a different way for Ron Rivera. He ran the victory bell at the hospital. There were people throwing confetti, nurses, Rivera Strong t-shirts. Unbelievable moment. And it came, duly noted, although not as importantly, Key, it did come after a win on Sunday and a huge win on Monday for Coach Rivera. That's big for, for Coach Rivera and his family. You know, I know Ron, been knowing Ron for a while now, and it's always good to see something happen to good people. It's always interesting as much as we make big deals out of Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen and what's going on, big win over the Cowboys. I mean, it's about continuing to enjoy the ride and winning at the game of life. And I I just, you're very happy for him and his family and hopefully it continues. Sustainability now is an important thing for him. And indeed, I don't know anybody that's walking around that hasn't been touched by cancer in some way, whether you've had it or you know a family member that had it or a friend that has had it. So this is a story that is relatable to so many people because he's battling something so many people continue to battle. On a different note, Cam Newton in New England, all of the hype, it was great out of the gate. Sunday, anything but great. Sub 100-yard passing day, three picks bench for Jared Stidham. Even Cam knows the Pats could be looking for a fresh look at quarterback, a fresh look brought to you by Sport Clips, now with on-deck text alerts. Sport Clips, it's good to be a guy. It's good to be the starter for the moment. But Cam, in his weekly Boston Sports Talk radio appearance on WEEI, said he knows that job could be in peril. You know, for any, any type of competitor, do you feel embarrassed? Yeah. Yeah, and and I am as 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 honest as I could possibly be right now. Uh, but yet it, it 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 tells you. And the first thing I said, you know, to myself coming home, I said, "You keep playing games like that, bro, and it's going to be a permanent change." Mm. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Came with a pretty progressive stance there. He's not just that aloof veteran that's thinking, "Give me a break." They're never going to bench me for Jared Stidham or somebody else. Well, they did it on Sunday. Where do you think Cam stands right now? Gigantic game for the Pats. Not to mention their opponent. Huge litmus test in Buffalo on Sunday. Well, I think for him, he realizes, and that's the first thing is he has to self check and realize that he's been playing bad. Five interceptions in the last two games and zero touchdowns. Um, when you look at that, you were brought here as a guy that could re-energize the franchise, replacing Tom Brady and, and, and replacing him to the degree if you do it the way you know how to do it and not the way Tom. He got off to a good start. Um, you know, the COVID situation, you gave him a pass based on that and not having the proper time to prepare for the game. And then they lose that game. But then they go out there again last week and just this past Sunday. And I don't even know what – you might as well have played Brian Hoyer from the start. Like I'm just saying, <laughs> it was that right? Bad. It was it was it was one of those deals. But I believe he'll get it turned around. I just it's you could tell that he was carrying a lot of weight and stress and pressure to be able to be perfect, and it didn't work out that way. But I think this time around the Bills, it'll be a different game. And if it's not a different game, then maybe it is time to move on and figure out who the next guy is. I think Cam is going to be fine. It's really interesting how this narrative is being pushed right now, but in a week from now, don't like don't forget that the Bills have lost two out of three games. They haven't looked that great. Mm-hmm. They should have beat up on the Jets, which they did not. So if the, if the Pats win that game, then all of a sudden you're having a different conversation if Cam plays well. One of the things that I think shows why Cam will be okay is just the way he's handled everything, Key. It's always been cool, calm, and collective. Even with Jeff Garcia's comments – when he was trying to come at him about, well, the way you dress is taking away too much attention you have with the game. And don't, hey, he, I know, I know, listen, but this is the way Cam addressed it. He said, you know what? Jeff, he's right. He's a former player. 
It's an opinionated killing, theory. It's called killing, killing with kindness. Killing with kindness, right? But it's so easy when you get lost in yourself <laughs> about what you don't have going wrong where you can get lost in a deep spiral right? and start answering other people <laughs> and not just staying focused on what you need to stay focused on. And that's what I've seen Cam have, has done this past week. Because I dress a certain way means I'm a play bad quarterback. It's an erroneous man, comment, of man, course. What's wrong with people, But man? it's easy to get sideswiped <laughs> by things like that and oh, get lost no, in the media no, battle. No Cam didn't let that happen to him. No, no question. He was smart as that. But I'm just saying, though, like – they even make those type of comments is crazy to me. The dude struggled the last two weeks. Okay, he struggled. Okay, everybody knows that. He has to turn it around. He knows it. They've talked to him. They've told him you've got to play better. He ain't no damn fool. He's well-educated. He understands, and he has a chance to do the right thing against Buffalo and play well and get a victory. Yeah, you got to dress for success. Garcia is now a 49ers radio analyst. That's where the comments came from. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin brought to you by DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app. Use the code KJZ. Free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Bears lost last night, but they got way bigger issues. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.